Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and this is our Week 15 Bears-Packers preview show, a preview of the 200th meeting between these two franchises. Here with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, with these Thursday games, we haven't really had the normal schedule. It's been a week since I saw you. How have you been? Been pretty good, Will. Can't complain. Uh, again, it's Bears-Packers week, so there's always a little bit more anticipation, a little bit more hype. It's meaningful football in December, so it's a great time to be talking, you know, Bears football and Bears Packers. Right? Like six weeks ago, there's no way that either you or I thought we'd be talking about a meaningful game here in Week 15. But alas, we're here, and it's a great position to be in. I'm very excited to preview this game with you, and I'm also excited because I get to see you in a week because we're going to that Bears-Chiefs game. And I say that because we have to hand out a winner of this raffle that we've been talking up here for about a month on the show. And I thought about this idea a few hours ago to do it live. So you have a spreadsheet. We have 111 uh, entries on this spreadsheet. And what we're going to do is I'm going to use my uh, little speaker here. I'm not going to say the name or else he's going to talk back to me. And we're going to ask for a random number. And then, Nick, you're going to announce the winner of this raffle. So are you ready to roll? I'm excited, Will. Let's do this. All right. Hey, Google, give me a random number between 1 and 111. 78. 78. 78. All right. I'm scrolling down the spreadsheet here. Oh, man. And the winner for the raffle, you'll be joining Will and I at the Bears-Chiefs game, Jonathan Oden. He's our winner, Will. So congratulations. Congrats. This is awesome. Hopefully you're listening live. Even if you're not listening live, Jonathan, you are the winner of the raffle. We cannot wait. And, Will, we still have to see whether this game is actually going to be a Sunday night game or move to another time. But if the Bears win, we'll be ready for this Sunday night game with Jonathan. All right, Jonathan, we'll see you at the game. Nick, I'll see you in a week. And I think I just saw Jonathan here in Periscope. Booyah! So he's ready to roll. Excellent. I'm excited. That was a lot of fun. I really do think that the raffle will be something we should do next year with maybe a warmer game, Nick. (laughs) Just saying. I'm a little (laughs) nervous heading into this, but that's what it is. It's bare weather, so I'll embrace it. Yeah, it'll be a fun time regardless, and hopefully it is that Sunday night game if the Bears can take care of business, uh, you know, Sunday. (laughs) Jonathan says, you got to be kidding me. No, you won. Google said 78. You're 78. Congratulations. I saw uh, someone here in YouTube chat. Uh, I'll be there in section 140-01. So we'll see a lot of people there. I'm excited for that game. But we have to take this one week at a time, one game at a time, Nick. That's been the mantra here over the last four to five weeks, and it doesn't stop now. So looking at this week's game, big one against the Packers up in Lambeau. Are you ready to kick off this preview? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, well, just since you said so, let's go ahead and get started, Nick. And we'll begin this week's preview by discussing the Chicago Bears offense. They're coming off three straight games with over 330 total yards, and they're now one week removed from a very strong performance against a very solid Cowboys defense. 
Now, with confidence seeming to grow on this side of the ball each week, I'm really excited to take a look at what the Bears may be able to do this Sunday in Lambeau. And for the second straight week, I want to begin our offensive discussion by taking a look at that Bears running attack. Against Dallas, the Bears were able to rush for over 150 yards. David Montgomery, he was on a tear, especially in that first half. And Mitch Trubisky also found some tremendous success with his legs as well. Now looking at the Packers, this is one area of the defense that Chicago should be able to exploit. Green Bay enters the week 25th against the run. They allow 122 yards per game. They're 27th in yards per attempt at 4.7. And with the temperature looking like it's going to be below 20 degrees on Sunday for this game, running the ball is going to be very important. So Nick, I want to know, what should we expect this week from the rushing How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Because I'm actually excited about the possibilities. And am I right to be? I think so. When you look at this Packers defense, it's definitely not the unit that the Bears faced in week one, which seems honestly like forever ago. Both these teams have gone in completely different directions, have had different pass up to this point. But when you look at this Packers defense, it really starts with those edge rushers that you have in the press in the Smith brothers, technically, and then Kenny Clark in the middle. But when you look around there, I think the Bears can have success because you've seen this offensive line for the Bears. They've been actually having some good games, some back-to-back good games, and they had, you know, they made some holes happen for David Montgomery. Obviously, Trubisky got going with his legs, but if you look at this one, I think Green Bay is really going to want to have Mitch Trubisky just be a passer in this game. They said that week one, and what, how you do that, take away the running game so you make them one-dimensional, but I don't know if that's technically going to happen unless – uh, Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark have the game that they did against the Redskins a week ago. That would make life difficult for this Bears offense, and especially that offensive line. But I don't really foresee that happening. The Redskins were a team that was kind of in shambles right now. They're not a very good football team. And now the Bears have had some, you know, a couple of stretches of games where they've been looking a lot better on offense. Yeah, they have. And they've been sticking with the run. I think that's a big reason why they are looking improved on offense. They've just been sticking with it. Over their last three games, the Bears are averaging 27.7 rushing attempts per game. And go figure, we're winning. This is what we've been asking for for the vast majority of the season. And I, too, think the Bears can run this ball this week. I really think they can make a living sticking with the inside runs because, you said it, both Smiths, they do a great job uh, against the run, especially holding the edge. It's really in the inside where Green Bay tends to struggle. The defensive line, uh, they've struggled mightily. They're second worst in the NFL at making tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage. There's no push, not a lot of penetration. And the linebackers, I know Blake Martinez, he's rackling up, uh, racking up those tackles, but he's not playing, quote, super well either because a lot of those tackles were coming five yards or more down the field, which I will take five yards each and every day uh, running that football, especially this week against the Packers. So really no excuse for the Bears not to run the ball this week. And also, Nick, here's a fun stat for you. And no, this isn't one of my you know patented, I'm not even going to say the term here on the show, but it's a good stat nevertheless. Uh, there's really no reason for the Bears not to run the ball in third and short this week. Uh, in third and less than two, when teams run the ball in the Packers, they convert for first downs on 70% of those running plays. So it's a big reason why I'm very confident in the Bears' ability not just to establish a run on the early downs, but if they find themselves in a third and one, a third and two, there shouldn't be much excuse for the Bears not to capitalize in those situations, sticking it on the ground and right up the gut. Anything else in terms of the Bears rushing attack you want to hit on this week? You know, I think Trubisky just having the games that he's had with his legs is going to be big in this one because, again, we talked about it. what, what it did against the Cowboys. Those linebackers had to respect Trubisky's running ability and look if even as a safety for peeking in just what Trubisky's doing as a runner that can open up things behind you and exact I mean we know that as a safety you don't want anything to go over the top but we've seen the Bears and Trubisky kind of take advantage of when they're keying in on him 
and then you can just dump off that pass to the flat, whether it's a Jesper Horstead that picked up a key first down against the Cowboys. So I think it's just going to be a big component in this game. And obviously, like you said, it's going to be a cold one. So I think running the football is going to be, you know, a huge factor in this one. But we know on the other side of the football with the Packers offense, they can do that pretty well on, on their side of the ball. Absolutely. So up next, we're going to take a look at that Bears passing offense that's also starting to heat up. But before we do, I do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, Wrigleyville Sports. Wrigleyville Sports is one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the city. And their goal is to bring that city, Chicago, team gear happiness directly to the fans. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, they have it. From hats and sunglasses to t-shirts and jerseys, make sure to check out WrigleyvilleSports.com. They also have quite a selection of holiday merch like Bears ornaments, Chicago Bears gift tags, and more. And also on top of this, we can get you 15% off on and free shipping on any of your order over at RiggervilleSports.com. Just use our promo code AUDIBLE, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, and that unlocks 15% and free shipping on any order of $25 or more at WrigleyvilleSports.com. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and take a look at that Bears passing offense, and I want to see how the Bears will fare through the air. Mitch, he's coming off back-to-back games with three touchdowns, completing over 74% of his throws, and a passer rating over 115. Now, just like last week, Trubisky, he will be tested by this Packers defense. They do allow the 11th most yards through the air, uh, but they only allow a completion percentage of 62, which is 10th best. And they only allow 1.2 passing touchdowns per game, which is tied for the 5th best mark. So in short, teams can move the ball through the year. It's not overly easy, and it's even more difficult for quarterbacks to toss touchdowns against them. So Nick, based off of what you've seen with the Packers so far this season, why is this the case? You know, the big thing with the Packers and what they've done a pretty good job of, and they only have 32 sacks on the season, but they've been able to get to the quarterback or at least maybe escalate his his uh, clock because they can get there with four men. So that's like a huge thing for any defense where you don't have to bring extra pressure, which they will do at times with their defense coordinator, but you're allowed to have more defensive backs back there to then make it harder for any quarterback, and especially Mitch Trubisky, who... Has looked better, but we know we know the struggles that he had earlier this season. So I think that's a big thing with the Packers. They can get home without bringing extra pressure. And if you can do that, it makes life difficult for any quarterback. But they haven't been, like I said, the same unit that we saw week one. And even towards the end of the game against Washington, they were giving up some big plays. So I think if the Bears are able to do even replicate some of the damage they did against the Cowboys, and it wasn't a vertical attack really, it was more so with the pa- the quick passes and the receivers getting yacked. That's going to be huge to really exploit the the weaknesses in this Packers defense. No, absolutely. I mean, the pressure, especially with both Smiths, is a big problem, and it's one that we definitely need to be paying attention, you know, definitely to throughout this week. I want to know. Let's take things a step inside. When you're looking at this Packers defense and you're looking at this Bears offense, do you have any matchups across the board that? you're circling in our favor that you have highlighted that are ones to watch out for in terms of uh, weaknesses the Packers can exploit. I have a few on my list, but I would be curious to see what you have as well. Yeah, I think Kenny Clark's playing some really good football. And on that right side of the line for for the Bears, you have two, I would say, inexperienced guys from Rashad Coward and, you know, Cornelius or Lucas on the end there. It's it's a matchup where I think if the Packers want to exploit it, either putting a Zadarius Smith or a Kenny Clark going at that side, running stunts, that's where I would do it at. Because, again, you have the inexperience there. And even though, obviously, those guys are not the starters, they've done a fairly good job. But I would think that the Packers are looking at those two guys specifically on this offensive line, thinking that their guys are better than the ones that the Bears have up front. And they're going to try to test them and see if they're, you know, just one, their gap responsibility is where it needs to be, making sure that they're the right place on the stunts. But I would expect come Sunday, that's where the Packers are going to attack this Bears offensive line. If you were Matt Nagy, what, how would you approach these two edge rushers? I mean, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith combine over 111 pressures, 24 sacks, uh, another 25 or so quarterback hits. I mean, they're a problem week in, week out. What would you do to kind of, you know, mitigate or at least limit their overall impact? They're going to make some plays in this one, but how would you kind of limit that? 
Yeah, so it's tough because with Zedarius Smith, especially against the Redskins, they had him sometimes just roaming around. So he didn't he wasn't actually set at the snap. He kind of would walk from one side and then blitz up the A gap. So it's kind of tough to know where he's going to rush from on, you know, any given down, but what the Bears do well is get the ball out quickly and that's what they did against Dallas and that's what Mitchick's kind of has gotten better at over the course of the season. So that's how you can take away you know, pass rushes. We've seen opposing teams do that to Khalil Mack all season. And we he has maybe he went through a stretch of games where he didn't get the sacks or the pressures. Well, he could do the exact same thing on the other side to these Green Bay pass rushers, get the ball out quickly. And we've seen our play, the Bears playmakers actually get yards after the catch. So that's one way of doing it. But what the Bears are also doing a good job last week against Dallas, when they pulled their offensive linemen to get out in space, that created some running lanes for Dave Montgomery, and then you can maybe wash down as a Darius Smith into the formation where the play's actually going the opposite way. So those are some ways you can possibly do that, but it's hard to contain those two guys. I think Zadarius Smith is a guy that you got to worry about more. I know Preston has, uh, I think, a half sack more, but Zadarius just lines up all over the place, and he's just a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, when you're looking at total pressures, uh, Zay Darius has 73 compared to Preston, who has 47. So definitely agree with you where uh, we need to keep uh, our eyes on in terms of this game on Sunday. What about the screen game? Do you think that's a good way to neutralize this as well? I mean, you talked about quick passing and what the Bears did really well against Dallas. I just remember a week ago, you and I hopping on the show talking about the screen game, and it's something that hasn't really been too big of a factor. But it- Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Worked very well, whether it be Cordero Patterson and Anthony Miller, uh, a tight end screen that we haven't seen all season as well. Is that another area where you see the Bears maybe picking up where they left off last week? Yeah, possibly, and it especially helps when you have wide receivers that are willing to block. On that touchdown to Anthony Miller, it was Cordero Patterson and then also Riley Ridley getting you know some time in on that game, but they had good blocks on the secondary players. And that allowed Anthony Miller to get some good yak and end up in the in the end zone. Cordero Patterson did end up on the injury report sheet with a head injury. So right. that's never good. So we'll have to see what his status is. But, yeah, when you have wide receivers that are willing to block and also offensive linemen that are patient and not just running as soon as, you know, they get open field, that's going to help, you know, create these screens and help them be successful for sure. Yeah, Patterson, head. That's a weird injury designation. Usually it's concussion. And it just says head. And he was on a report yesterday. Probably something happened in practice between yesterday and today. We'll see. I'm hopeful that it shouldn't be much of an issue and he should be out there, but something to keep tabs on for sure. I'm looking at a couple of matchups here as well. You mentioned Kenny Clark against that right side. Him, I, I would throw Cody White here into that one as well as someone to pay attention to in terms of neutralizing Kenny Clark. And then what about Anthony Miller versus Traymond Williams? Traymond, he's a very good nickelback. I still would take some of my chances here. He, Williams is allowing 63% of uh, balls thrown his way and about 14.8 yards per catch. And I feel like Anthony Miller has been trending very strongly in the right direction. How do you feel about that matchup? Yeah, you have a very savvy veteran in Traymond Williams, but also Anthony Miller is, like you said, on the uptrend right now. That's a matchup where I think if the Bears are going to exploit one, because Jair Alexander, I think, is a very good corner. Had uh, He was, you know, their nickel slack last year. Now is obviously on the outside. But I think if Anthony Miller just... The way he's been playing lately, you could just see the the passion that he has. And he's had it all season, but he's he's playing very confidently right now. And I think the Bears would be smart to try to get him going early on in this game because, you know, once he gets going, he's just going to want to keep in that football. But that is a matchup where I think Matt Nagy, and he's done it all. He's done it these past couple games. He identifies one guy in, like, the defense and is going to go after them consistently. It might be Traymond Williams this week. Do you have a backup? They, or do you have someone in your mind that you think could be that guy? Is it Williams in your mind, or do you have someone else? Because you've been bringing it up each week, so I'm going to let you have the floor. Yeah, so, I mean, consistently, I think Blake Martinez is a good linebacker when it comes to tackling downhill, tackling the running backs. 
but he's not the best pass, you know, protection, not in coverage linebacker. I really want to see Matt Nagy utilize Tariq Cohen in the way that I think he can use him in. I mean, we saw him a couple times, you know, gain some some yards in, in the flat and things like that. But what the Packers do so well with Aaron Jones, they will send his that running back deep. And he will not just run these simple out routes. You could do that with a David Montgomery, with a Tariq Cohen. Stretch the field vertically with your running backs, especially on a linebacker like Blake Martinez. That's another one where I'm thinking maybe they didn't exploit it in the first matchup. The Bears didn't do anything right in the first matchup between the Packers. This is how you could possibly get it right. Exploit Blake Martinez and his liability that he has in pass protection, and that maybe could be a key to this Bears offense. All right, so now we, we looked around and we've seen how the Bears stack up on paper, and we've kind of talked about some of our expectations across the board, but let's take a step back and look at this entire thing in big picture form. Formulate a game plan here. I want to know some of those overall keys to success. I have six things here in bullet form on my nose. Number one, establish a run. I think that's a given, not just to open up uh, the play action, which is number two on my thing, but we also need David Montgomery getting involved, getting active, eating up yards, eating up clock, keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field is going to be a big one here in this game as well. So number one, establish a run. Number two, utilize play action and move the pocket. You mentioned this one a little bit as well. Trubisky's at his best when he's on the run, when he's able to move and not just, you know, it opens up a whole new world for him. It seems like half the time, instead of having him stay in the pocket, drop after drop after drop. Mitch, number three, needs to continue with his legs, open things up. And what I love about it, is if they're in man coverage, it's going to make them think twice. They're going to have to look back and peek and see if Trubisky's scrambling for that ball. And number two, if Trubisky's able to buy some more time with his legs and he's still behind the line of scrimmage and they're playing a zone, that just allows for someone to break free and find that soft spot and get open. They can't hold it forever. So that's a great way for us to get some good production. Number five, I want to see the Bears take some shots. Uh, Green Bay allows the second most plays of 20-plus, so definitely find some very smart times to take some shots down the field. And number six, and this is an easy one each week, but very important now, protect the football. Don't give Aaron Rodgers any short field. That's a big no-no. You can't do it. If you give him a short field, there's going to be points put up on the board. It's just that simple. So that's my kind of overview. How about you, Nick? What are going to be some of your keys for the offense this week? So, I mean, we don't want Mitch Trubisky to turn the ball over. That's for sure. But when he has had that interception early on in the game, it's for some reason, it's oh, like geez. the spark to for him to just get just play better. It's just weird how that's worked. No, I don't want him to turn the ball over. But it would be nice if the Bears can just start fast without having like a turnover to really start it for this Bears offense. Um, We've seen the Bears against Detroit. And it would have led to a score against Dallas had Trubisky not thrown that interception. But they've had some good drives to start early, to start the games early. Let's see that happen on the road against the Green Bay Packers. Because I think if you could start off early, that's just going to allow this defense to maybe be where it's most comfortable at. Actually applying pressure to the quarterback and not having to maybe worry so much about giving up a lead. But just kind of getting after Aaron Rodgers. I think that's huge for this Bears offense. And then I think the big thing is try to, at, at some point in the game, you just know the Bears are going to move backwards on offense, whether it's a penalty, negative yards. But we saw them do a really good job last week against Dallas, despite that, still overcoming that in a drive and getting that key first down. So I think that's another big thing because, look, these edge rushers are probably going to have some plays in the game where they're going to maybe tackle for loss, get Trubisky. It's bound to happen. You have to be realistic about it. But Matt Nagy just needs to be do a really good job of game planning to pick up at least just a couple yards on each down to where it comes down to that third down situation. It's not third and long. I think that's where the Bears can get themselves in trouble, where Mitch Trubisky has to survey the field. Maybe Green Bay will actually bring extra pressure that results into those turnovers. So I think those are some keys going into this one, that if the Bears can be on the positive side of those things, it's going to lead to you know some success on offense. All right, Nick, I want you to continue to dig through your notes here. Do you have anything else, either Bears offense, Packers defense, that you want to make sure that we are keeping tabs on? So I think a big one in what we've seen from Matt Nagy is that he's starting to utilize those tight ends a little bit more in this offense. And look, they're not they're all backups now, now become starters. But we see J.P. Holt to a guy primarily he was a fullback starting, you know, when he, when he was when he was with the Bears. But now he's kind of getting involved into the receiving game. 
Let's continue that. Whether it's Jesper Horstead, we'll see if Ben Broniker is able to go this week. But I think getting the tight ends involved in this offense really opens things up. Even if they're not the best caliber of players, you could still utilize them and get production out of them. So I really want to see Matt Nagy continue to do that despite not having his, his his starting tight ends right now. Absolutely. Now, red zone and third down. This is very interesting this week, Nick. Uh, Looking at the Bears offense, they're 12th in the NFL in terms of red zone efficiency. They're scoring touchdowns on 60% of those red zone trips. But I found something, and I found an area where the Bears lead the NFL. Nick, the Bears have the best red zone offense when on the road in the NFL. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Wow. Um, what's like their efficiency or what's what's going they, on there? They score touchdowns on 85.71% of the red zone trips on the road. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's, obviously the offense has been bad, but that's a good stat to have in your favor. Right? I mean, granted, they probably don't reach the red zone as often as they have at home, which, again, maybe skews it a bit, but that's the best mark by 9%. I don't want to tell you who number two is. It's the Packers, but it doesn't matter. They're playing at home, so it doesn't matter. But on defense, the Packers are seventh in the NFL in the red zone. They allow touchdowns exactly 50%, 50-50. But when they're at home, they struggle a bit. That number goes up to 58%. So it's real interesting how that can kind of swing in Chicago's favor. And then same thing on third down. The Bears offense, 28th, which is improving. It's 30th, 29th, 28th. We're getting there. Uh, 33.33, so exactly one-third of their third downs on the season. But on the road, that number jumps up to 38%. And then looking at the Packers' defense, they're 18th. They're on the bottom half of the NFL. They allow 39% conversion rate on third down. But at home, that drops down to 21st. They uh, goes from 39% up to 42%. So weirdly enough, where the Bears are playing better on the road, where the Packers, at least in this, this regard, they're playing worse at home, which I like a lot. All right, Nick, who has the edge? And I'm going to give you the Bears passing game versus that Packers secondary. You know, outside of Jair Alexander, and eh, maybe you can throw Adrian Amos in there every now yeah. and then. Yeah, I thought he did have an interception in the first game, but he's been a, he's been pretty solid for for the Packers this season. Not gonna lie, but I do like the Bears wide receivers and what they've been able to do in that passing attack. Um, if Matt Nagy is able to put a good game plan together, and you know, I'm confident that he has done his homework on the Packers since that Week One matchup, and is gonna build off what he's been doing the past couple weeks. I think the Bears' offense has a chance to put up some yards, even though it is against your division rival on on the road. I like Matt Nagy and the game plan that he's going to bring into this one. Excellent. For me, I got the Bears' ground game versus that Packers' run defense. I think we both kind of alluded to this, that we have the Bears in this regard. It's really nice, too, to have some confidence in that Bears' running game again. Just saying. Uh, I actually believe that this week they will establish it and stick with it yet again. The Packers have been very woefully just bad on this part of their defense all season long. It's really been their Achilles' heel, so let's make sure we keep it as such. Uh, Montgomery, he should have some good wiggle room, some holes to work with, and we know how special and dangerous he can be with just a little bit of space so for me the Bears are going to get the edge here and Nick for both of us the Bears offensive line versus that pass rush look the Bears offensive line has been playing better and um, they've been doing some good things but when you have those edge rushers you have Kenny Clark in the middle it's it's tough to win that matchup but it depends on what Nagy's doing offensively schematically to kind of mitigate the pressure that these Green Bay Packers defenders are going to bring but I will give the the advantage to the Green Bay Packers. They just have a lot of guys on there that can get to the quarterback, and they've done it without actually bringing pressure. Exactly. Both Smiths, they present a matchup problem here. And if the Bears get into third and long and allow both of them to kind of pin their ears back, I mean, just watch out. We I, we know what probably will happen then. Don't forget, they had five sacks on us in week one. I believe the offensive line has kind of – you know, evened out since then, but still, uh, that still worries me. So I'm going to go ahead and give the edge here to the Packers as well. Who's going to be your X factor for the Bears offense this week? So I actually have two. It's actually both the tackles in this game. I think Cornelius Lucas and Charles Leon Jr. are going to be huge in this one. When you go against guys that have proven this season, they can get after the quarterback that they can do it in a variety of different ways and kind of line up at different spots. 
these tackles need to be solid. And look, I, I know Leno Jr. has had his struggles, but it's really what can Cornelius Lucas do? And I think he's been playing pretty well. You haven't really heard his name come up much in when he's been, you know, in that spot for Bobby Massey, which is great. That's exactly what we want out of that, uh, out of a backup at that important position. But if these guys play well and are able to just kind of slow down, you know, both the Smiths. That's going to be huge for this Bears offense. That's going to give Trubisky time to when maybe, like you said, Will, if they, they are throwing a little bit deeper, take those shots. You can't have the you can't take those shots if you don't have time. So Cornelius Lucas and and then Charles Leno Jr. are going to be huge in this one. So they're both my X factors. You know, that's a really smart X factors. It really is because if both of them struggle, this whole offense can fall apart. But if both of them can excel the Bears offense can really get going. So I really like that one as well. I have Mitch, and usually this is a given each and every week, but really, you know, the ability to establish a run is also going to be a big X factor, but I have that last week. So I'm going to give it down to Mitch's ability to lead the charge because he's going to be asked to make some very tough throws, and he's done a good job over the last couple of weeks, and he's done a pretty decent job throughout his career in Green Bay in terms of taking care of the football as well. Only two turnovers in four games against the Packers, and I just have a gut feeling that Green Bay, they're going to have to or want to bait him into a couple of bad decisions, and they're going to come after him a ton. So they're going to want to put as much pressure on number 10, both literally and figuratively, to make him beat him. Whether Trubisky rises to that challenge could be the difference to me uh, between a win and a loss. So I hope we see the Mitch we saw last week and even the Mitch we saw against Green Bay last December. I would take that Mitch, and I feel very confident if that's the guy who showed up here this Sunday against the Packers. All right, now it's time to turn our attention over to the Bears' defense and see how they stack up against that Packers' offense. It appears for Chicago that Prince Mukamara will be able to return from injury. He's been practicing in full this week. Roquan Smith, he's been placed on, on, on IR. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, I don't think he's practiced yet this week. Am I right, Nick? I don't think so, no. But we haven't heard anything about Akeem Hicks. They've been very mum on him. And with him on IR, they don't have to give us injury updates. Reading between the lines, it looks... How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Like Hicks should be returning this week, and I'm getting excited at just the thought, but what's your gut tell you? We're going to see good old 96 back out there? I think so. Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach, he's expecting to see Akeem Hicks out there. I think we should expect to see number 96 out there. And just the not, okay, obviously the Bears are getting a great player back on the field, but just the the morale that comes with him, the you know, just the the passion that he plays with, just lining up next to him, that makes Eddie Goldman that much better. Who I think hasn't had the season that I think we've all been accustomed to seeing from Eddie Goldman, just a solid player because he's been have to ask to you know do a little bit more with Akeem Hicks being absent for a number of games now. So that would be a huge boost. I do expect to see Akeem Hicks out there. That makes Khalil Mack even better, Leonard Floyd mm-hmm. better. It's just an emotional leader that you get back on the defense, which the Bears, you know, need at this moment. Now, here's a big question. And now I'm excited we actually get to talk about it because there was one point this season we didn't know if we're going to get Akeem Hicks back. And he's coming back, and this is a great time for him to re-enter the lineup. What's your level of confidence in terms of him being able to knock off some rust? He hasn't been out there since October, week five against the Raiders. He's been out for quite some time, and he's talked about this week, it feels good to be active. He's starting to feel like an athlete again. That got me a little bit worried, or maybe he's not really game shape, game ready. Uh, conditioning may not be there. So you're not going to see Akeem Hicks out there, you know, all these snaps. He'll come out there in spurts, but even with that, What's your level that uh, rust shouldn't be much of a factor? You know, I don't think it's going to be much of a factor. I think if anything, it's going to be like endurance-wise, you're going to see Akeem Hicks coming out, you know, more often than you would normally see him come out because, again, he hasn't played in a while, but he is well-rested. He's had some time to kind of recover from these injuries, rehab from them. So 
in a sense, we're getting a fresh Akeem Hicks, just maybe not the most conditioned Akeem Hicks. So <laughs> I, I'll take that, though. I'll take any way you can get Akeem Hicks on the field. He is that good of a football player. and only takes one, one play where he just bulldozes over the center, the right guard, left guard, or runs a perfect stunt with Leonard Floyd to where he can get at Aaron Rodgers. I will take the chances that Akeem Hicks can make that play where, you know, over, you know, him just not playing in general because he is that type of impact player. Yeah, it really is. And when I was on the, the podcast earlier this week, I was talking to Tom uh, Grassi about Khalil Mack and he was wondering like, Hey, what's going on? And I mentioned Akeem Hicks going down and here in Chicago, I use the metaphor, you know, even Jordan had Scottie Pippen. I think that's what the Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks kind of are. You have that Jordan and Pippen and you need a little bit of Akeem Hicks out there to kind of unlock the full potential of a Khalil Mack. So I'm very excited for the return as well. But looking at this game specifically, let's look at that Packers rushing attack. They sit in the middle of the pack, 17th at 107 yards per game, 18th in yards per attempt and 4.3 on average. And even though they're not ranking super well in this category, I do feel that Green Bay is more dangerous to running the ball uh, due to a pretty good offensive line and two backs and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that both bring some different elements to the table. Now, the Bears are still a top 10 defense against a run. Hicks, like we just said, coming back should help. Roquan out still may be a challenge, but a challenge that maybe, and I believe, Kevin Pierre-Lewis is up for. Nick, how do you expect the Bears to handle Green Bay's rushing attack? The Bears did a good job in week one, only allowing them to rush for 47 yards. But since then, Green Bay's kind of worked out some kinks in their offense. Not all of them, but some. So how would you expect the Bears to handle it? Yeah, it's going to be a tough task because I think Aaron Jones right now is the Packers offense. He, against just the the Redskins alone, he had 192 all-purpose yards. So he was you know, heavily utilized against the Redskins. And I think that's what the Packers really want to do. And there were definitely some yards that the Packers left out on the field there that they weren't able to connect with Aaron Jones. But a big one, I think getting Akeem, backs, Akeem Hicks back is huge, especially for the middle of this defense. And having Eddie Goldman just play his natural spot is going to be big for this Bears defensive line to, one, contain the middle and stop those gaps. But I think it's really going to come where Aaron Jones knows how to set up blocks well to get to the outside. But when you look at it, these edge defenders, Mack and Floyd, need to be consistent and not just come after the passer like on play-action passes because you never know when Aaron Jones is just going to leak out of the backfield. But it's a challenge, Will. He's accounted for 15 touchdowns this season, 12 rushing, 3 receiving. So he does a lot for this Packers offense. What's your thought about Williams? I mean, obviously he's a threat as well, but maybe not as much. Yeah, so he's been a big factor in the receiving game. He has five touchdowns in the receiving game, more than anybody right now for the Packers, which is pretty surprising when you have a Devontae Adams and obviously an Aaron Jones on that side of the ball. But yeah, it's somebody that you can't you can't just forget about because he will hurt you as well. But I think primarily it's really Aaron Jones. You stop him, you're stopping a huge part of this Packers offense because, like you said, they they've worked out some issues, but they're still trying to figure things out. They only put up, what, I, I forget the exact amount on the Redskins, but that's a defense, again, where the Bears were able to look good offensively early on in the season. The Packers, you know, they score, scored two early touchdowns in the first quarter, didn't really do much after that. So I think if you stop Aaron Jones and a tall task in itself, you have a good chance of really stopping what the Packers really like to do. I had this later in my notes, but this may be a good time to bring it up. And I'm going to apologize in advance because I did this against the Rams and it really came back to bite us in the ass. Uh, but I'm going to say <laughs> it anyway. You know Aaron Jones, as good as he's been, statistically against the Bears, he's never had a good game. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. You know how bad it's actually been? Uh, I have no idea. All right. So in his uh, overall career, he averages 27 rushing yards per game against Chicago. You want to look at games in November, December, that average drops down to 10 yards per game. Wow. Yeah. So as much as he's been electric for him all season, I look at that and I, I get a little bit more confident that the Bears kind of like a Dalvin Cook. Like all the, all the success, but when we go up against them, we kind of shut them down. And then they go back and they go back to business going up against other teams. But something about this Bears defense in the division, they kind of have these running backs numbers. Unless you have Which the Lions to throw in backups and we can't figure that out. But when it comes to Dalvin <laughs> Cook and an Aaron Jones, two thumbs up. 
Yeah, absolutely. So they, they've been really sound at stopping you know these guys within the division. And it's going to be a really cold game come Sunday. Well, I think it's like a high of like 12 or 15 degrees. It's not going to be you know a, a nice December game. This is going to be cold. And I would think that both these teams want to establish something on the ground. But I think you're, you're going to see more of a passing attack from both these teams than, as opposed to a rushing attack. Even though we said maybe the Bears might have some success, I think it's just going to lean towards that way for some reason. I would not be surprised if uh, Williams has more all-purpose y- all yards than Aaron Jones in this game. Just saying. I did something about how the Bears attack Aaron Jones. They've been able to shut him down every single time they played him. So something for me to pay attention to when it comes to this game this week. But let's go ahead and let's move on over to that Packers passing attack. Aaron Rodgers, he's averaged less than 230 yards over his last five games, and he actually hasn't reached 200 yards in three of his last five. But we know just how dangerous he is. I don't need to explain it. Everybody knows it. I do think the Bears have an opportunity to limit his overall production like they did in Week 1. Week 1, just in case you're forgetting, 200 yards and a touchdown. It was the only touchdown of the entire game. Uh, But just like their rushing stats, I think Green Bay's been very, you know, well, just like their rushing stats, they've been average in terms of their rankings in terms of passing the ball. Uh, they have a hard time on third down, but they really do light it up uh, once they get into the red zone. But they don't blow defenses out of the water, at least statistically. So, Nick, when you're looking at Green Bay's offense and through the air, what challenges do you see them giving this Bears defense? And how do you believe the Bears stack up this week? Yeah, so I think the challenge is you can't have these busted coverages. Like the Bears have been, you know, they've been having a couple of those, you know, every game for the past couple of weeks. Aaron Rodgers usually will take advantage of something like that. But just for some reason, even though the stats say that he's having a pretty good season, he hasn't looked like the Aaron Rodgers that we're all used to. And hopefully that doesn't happen on Sunday. But the big thing is that you want to think that Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense are going to want to just stretch the field vertically, but the the receivers really haven't done a, you know the production that we've seen in the past. Devontae Adams is not having the season that we're accustomed to him to seeing. He's what only has seven hundred or six hundred eighty five yards and three touchdowns, so he hasn't been the dominant guy. There hasn't there isn't a number two guy really. Marquez right. Valdez Scantling, like not really. And then you have Jarmel Allison, who usually primarily plays in the slot. They haven't really stepped up for the Green Bay Packers. But what I saw last week, and I thought was pretty interesting, is that against the Redskins, the Packers were doing a lot more 13 personnel. And that is not 13 players on the field for some people on Twitter who are like, wait, isn't that a penalty? No, that is one <laughs> one running back, three tight ends. And they actually lined up in that formation eight times in that game, and it was only 22 times throughout the entirety of the season. So they're trying to find ways to get different formations, these tight ends involved, so I think that might be something that the Bears, not that they'll struggle with, but you have two inside linebackers, two backup inside linebackers that really need to pay attention to this play-action passing game that the Packers love to do, just hang Jimmy Graham. As soon as Aaron Rodgers puts that ball and he's looking like it's going to be a handoff, just tucking it away like he usually does and just finding that tight end who's running cross deep over the middle. So these inside linebackers, I think, are going to be really tested in this one. Add in Aaron Jones as well. But that's where I think the Packers are going to really attack this Bears defense. Great stuff there, Nick. I do want to take a deeper look and kind of look inside some of these matchups. And you talked about the inside linebackers. I would remiss if my first matchup was not Nick Kwiatkowski versus either running back in this regard. Uh, both backs combined have nearly 700 yards receiving. You mentioned the five receiving touchdowns from Williams, all of which have came inside of the red zone. And you better believe that the Packers are looking at Nick Wachowski is like, I would love an opportunity to get him and Aaron Jones one-on-one with Aaron Jones running one of those longer, deeper, you know, wide receiver type of routes that we've seen him run this season. And we've seen teams go after Nick Wachowski a little bit. And he's been better than we've seen in previous seasons, but he's still that's still not a strength of his. So for the Bears and Nick Wachowski, you need to make sure that the running backs don't get a couple of steps ahead. I don't really know how you can task Kwiatkowski for staying step for step with an Aaron Jones. So make sure they don't get a couple of steps ahead. Limit the yak, because uh, really, if the Bears find a way to shut down the run, like I think they can, like we've seen them do it against the Packers in the past, they're going to try to make this an extension of the running game. So that's a big reason why this is going to be a big matchup. They're going to try to do some cross-traffic 
The Packers are always great with some of those rub pick routes. It's a great way to get some traffic in front of Nick Wachowski, get some extra space for an Aaron Jones. And that's where I see one of my major, you know, not red flags. I'll give an orange flag where I'm slightly <laughs> worried about this matchup. Nick Wachowski against either running back, especially in some one-on-one situations. That's one of mine. How about you? You know, I just want to add one more thing about the Aaron Jones, Nick Kukowski no. uh, matchup. Okay, then we're really missing out on a key statistic here, Will, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> but uh, the Athletics' Ben Fennell, he wrote in his last article about Aaron Jones, he's been targeted five times with passes over 20 yards this season, which is tied for the most among running backs. So like you just said and what we were saying earlier, the Packers will split him out wide. They'll put him in the slot. And they will send Aaron Jones deep. If you are having Nick Wachowski be that guy, I'd rather have a Kevin Pierre-Lewis if you're going to have one of the linebackers on him. If you're going to do that, though, you are really testing the waters on what this Packers offense likes to do. And if that's a big play waiting to happen. So that's you know one of the key matchups there. But what I don't want to see have happen in this game, and look, the Packers, we talked about the receivers not being as impactful this season. We can't have a guy like Geronimo Allison win his one-on-one matchup with a guy like Buster Screen. He loves to right. run, loves to have his play, or loves to line up in the slot. We saw Geronimo Allison. I think what was that? It, I'm thinking back to the 2018 game, but he beat Kyle Fuller. So we know over the years he has gotten better his route running ability, but he's not a you know a big playmaking wide receiver. But you can't have that matchup come to fruition in in favor of the Packers because again, you give another just weapon for Aaron Rodgers to you know, throw the ball to, that's going to create some, again, mismatches for the Bears defense. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I have here in my notes. Devontae Adams is really the only wide receiver, you know, on either outside, whether it be against Prince or against Kyle Fuller, that, quote, worries me. And I think we know why. And the Bears have, you know, they I think they match up well across the board, but they allow some of these other wide receivers that haven't been able to produce most of the season and be impactful players to have career games. That's just going to be a cause, you know, for some big disgruntledness, at least on my end, and I'm sure yours as well, and probably could change the entire outcome of this game. So really good stuff there, Nick. When I'm looking at uh, some other matchups, two in the trenches that stick out, uh, be against both guards, hopefully Akeem Hicks versus right guard Billy Turner. Uh, he allows a team high with pressures with 36. We already know what Akeem Hicks can do. And, of course, if Hicks can win that matchup, not just in terms of getting some extra pressure on Rodgers or keeping some extra eyes off of Khalil Mack, but if he can be that anchor in the middle to shut down the run, with an Eddie Goldman alongside him, that would be very huge. Then on the other side, Bilal Nichols and Nick Williams versus their left guard, Elgin Jenkins. Uh, he's been very sound, only allowing 14 pressures, no sacks this year, despite playing over 700 snaps. He does struggle in that run blocking, so that's kind of where I see where these two can make a difference. And then Jimmy Graham in the red zone, he has 80% of his catches inside the 20 have been uh, gone for six. Uh, they like to throw it up to him. Let him win with size. Let's make sure that the you know let's be wary of it. Don't give him anything easy with Jimmy Graham. If I'm not going to say when the Packers get inside the twenty, but if the Packers get inside the twenty, how about you? Any other matchups? Or are we all good in that regard? You know, I think we have to mention Leonard Floyd here because for some okay. reason That's true. he is always it's Packers played, week. It's Packers week. It's, it's Leonard, Leonard Floyd week. He's back <laughs> he, in the seven career games he's had against the Packers. He has seven and a half sacks and 10 quarterback hits. It's something about the Packers that brings out the best in Leonard Floyd. And you know what? I think we could see a more impactful game from him because you have Akeem Hicks, you know, in the game. So I think maybe this is finally where Leonard Floyd makes, you know, an impact. We haven't really seen much of him at all this season other than the first game against the Packers, which has been Kind of crazy. So hopefully Leonard Floyd can be an impactful guy. I don't think Brian Balaga at the right tackles had, you know, the seasons that we've been accustomed to, accustomed to seeing from him. Hopefully this is a game where Leonard Floyd can make his presence felt because, again, this, this whole entire Bears pass rush really needs to step its game up, especially when you're missing key players, um, you know, throughout the season. But be a great game for Leonard Floyd to kind of reemerge this season. Oh, yes. I, I totally forgot it was Leonard Floyd week. Thank you. That really <laughs> made my Thursday evening. Is one, you know, we always we kind of brush over him at this point of his career, but there are two two weeks a year where we know we're going to get something out of flow. So that's really exciting. Do you have anything else about uh, the Bears defense or the Packers offense that you want to hit on? 
No, I think I mean the big thing. Aaron Jones. He is going to be the the X factor for them. If he gets going, I don't know how this Bears defense is going to get off the field and be able to you know just have the success that they had against for the majority of the game against Dallas. They stopped Zeke except for that first drive, really. And then they just had a really good game. But take away Aaron Jones from this offense. See the see the struggles they're going to have. And I think the Bears and Chuck Pagano are going to put a good game plan together to kind of make that happen. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Bigger backs, the bruiser backs, that's what gives this defense problems. Smaller backs, like an Aaron Jones, not so much. But, no, that's a big one. If by you know If it happens, that's a huge, huge key. All right, let's look at red zone and third down. And just like the other side of the ball, it's a little bit more interesting this week. So in the red zone, the Bears defense, they're 17th in the NFL overall, allowing touchdowns on 55.8% of the trips. But when they're on the road, they go from 17th, Nick, and they jump up to fifth best. They only allow 47.8% of touchdowns inside the red zone when they're on the road. So when the Bears are away, they send a step up their play. Okay, I didn't mean a rhyme, but it ended up working. Uh, for the Packers on offense, 68%. They have the second best red zone offense. But when they go uh, on the home, that drops from 68% to 63%, and on the road, I just want to put it in comparison, when Green Bay's on the road, they score on 76%. So for some reason, they're much better on the road on offense in the red zone compared to the art home. So I'm glad we're playing them in Lambeau in this one. And third down is pretty casual. Bears defense, they're in the top 10, 35% uh, conversion rate, where the Packers offense, they're 20th at a 35% conversion rate. So I think we know what we're going to get in that regard. Well, up next, we're going to find out who has the edge between the Bears defense and that Packers offense. But real quickly, I need to let you know a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want, like hello status quo? With the millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Now, how's that for customer satisfaction? SeatGeek breaks down the details, and the green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are the tickets that are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Of course, I have the SeatGeek app on our phone, and it's by far the easiest way that I've been able to shop for tickets. We used SeatGeek to buy the Bears-Chiefs game that we're going to here uh, with Jonathan, who won that raffle earlier in the show. And I was looking into the Bears and Green Bay game. And if you're wanting to travel to Lambeau, which I've done it before, it was a great experience. The outcome of the game was not, I'm not going to talk about that. But if you want to cheer on the Bears here in Lambeau, some amazing deals are definitely still available. And the best part of all is SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S. And again, that gets you $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we are jumping in to who has the edge. And, Nick, you're up first. That Bears pass rush versus that Packers offensive line. Ooh, this is a good one because I, I think that the the Packers have some matchups that I do like in the Bears' favor. Um, but Aaron Rodgers has been holding the ball a little bit longer this season and been taking some bad sacks. I think he was sacked around four times against Washington. So actually, with Akeem Hicks coming back, the Leonard Floyd game that I think we're all expecting, and a Khalil Mack on the opposite side, I'm going to give this one to the Bears. I like it. I like the confidence. For me, Bears secondary versus that Packers passing attack. I'm actually going to give this one to the Bears secondary. I don't think it's even that hard. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't have world-class talent, and he doesn't need it to be effective, but the Bears should be able to shut down this receiving core. Again, the only true threat is Devontae Adams. In week one, we held him to four catches and 36 yards. Uh, and outside of that, I've already mentioned my concerns with the Nick Wachowski. And so if the Bears can limit what these running backs can do, overall, I think the Bears can find a way to slow down this passing attack, at least to a degree, to keep us in this ballgame. So for that reason, I'll give them the edge. 
And now for the last one, Nick, over to you first. Bears running defense versus that Packers ground game. Which way are you going to lean? So this is a tough one, especially with the two inside linebackers for the Bears, who have been playing pretty well, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kutkowski. But I am actually going to give this one to the Bears. I think the Packers will have some success, but not as not 190-something purpose yards that you know Aaron Jones had last week against Washington Redskins. Nothing to that degree. They'll get their yardage. They'll do their, you know, what maybe you expect them to do. But the Bears' defense is going to do just enough to limit what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are going to want to do this game. And I think, like I said earlier, it's going to be more of a passing kind of game for both teams. Um, but, yeah, a slight edge to the Bears. I know it probably doesn't look well because they have two backup inside linebackers. But I think having Akeem Hicks, and we don't know how many snaps he's going to have, is huge, a huge morale boost for this Bears defense. And we just know the kind of player he is. So I'm going to give it the slight edge to the Bears defense. Excellent. I'm giving it to the Bears here as well for everything you just said and then the amazing stat that Aaron Jones in November and December games against the Chicago Bears, he averages 10 rushing yards per game over his career. So I love that stat. Going to ride it until I can't know more. <laughs> X-Factor time. I'm starting here. I got Kevin Pierre Lewis as my X-Factor. Is that who you got? So I was thinking him, but I have a backup. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, that's why I took it, because I didn't have a backup, and usually we're in sync about these things, so I wanted to take it. So Kevin Pierre-Lewis, he needs to prove that last week wasn't a fluke and that he could be a true fit in this defense and help fill that very large void left by Roquan Smith. And he looked every bit of that part last week, and we need him to play at a high level again against Aaron Rodgers. He can't become a weakness that can be continually exploited. If he's in sound coverage like he was last week, I think we're going to be in some pretty great shape and he can't be because really he just can't be a hole in the middle of the field that we could looks like the there's a problem. hell sorry Google scared the <laughs> sh literally scared me i'm putting the microphone off wow i did not say your name i've never been that afraid in my life i was like who is in my room i thought it was pennywise and i was about to run nick that'd be terrifying <laughs> continuing on you can't be a hole in the middle of the field to be continually exploited. And on top of that, if Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I can't get over this, but if he can provide <laughs> the same boost in the pass rushing department, uh, both up the middle and coming off the edge, I think now we're really talking. So all of this, boil it down to one sentence. In short, KPL needs to just raise some hell. That's really it, Nick. He really does. And that's why he's my X Factor. You at the rhymes today. I can't compete right now. Uh, but what I will do, what I did for my last X Factor, I put both the tackles. I'm going to say it's going to be both the safeties in this one. And it's going to be because we want disconnect Google. Yes, that is a great idea. But I think with both Eddie Jackson, Haha Clint Dix, you're going to see both these guys interchangeably playing inside the box because Aaron Jones is a guy that, one, can kill you on the ground and also in the passing game. So these safeties have to be ready for whatever Matt LaFleur is going to scheme up for Aaron Jones. And I think Hog Dix is obviously going to want to have a big game playing in Lambeau Field against his former team. And then we've seen Eddie Jackson play a little bit more in the box this season as opposed to the seasons prior. So they have good games. They're able to fill their gaps, come in on those run blitzes. That's going to be big for stopping Aaron Jones. So they're both my X factors in this one. All right, I like that a lot. Let's go ahead and jump into the final portion of our show, and let's begin with uh, some quick hits on the third phase. Our guest earlier this week, Tom Grassi, he had something interesting about the Packers' punt return woes, about having like negative 15 yards total on the season before last week, which is an incredibly awful stat that put a smile on my face hearing about it. Uh, but it seems like they brought in a new guy, and it's helping a little bit. It can't get any worse than what it was, apparently. But, Nick, how about you? Do you have anything on the third phase that you're paying attention to this week? You know, I think, uh, obviously, the health of Cordero Patterson is going to be huge in that third phase because it's not, not even at kick returner. It's really at that gunner position for Cordero Patterson where he's just been so effective. And, yes, last week was the first week where the Packers have actually had positive yardage out of their punt returner. Well, a guy that doesn't really allow positive yardage to happen on punt returns is Cordero Patterson. So that's going to be huge whether or not he can play in this game. But you also want to see Eddie Pinheiro outdoors Lambeau field it's a, a high pressure stakes and obviously he made his one field goal that he had last week against Dallas and made his extra points but that's always something that we need to be watching out for I still don't have 
the most confidence in Eddie Pinheiro. You just don't you just don't know when he's about to kick whether that's going to go through the uprights. I think what was it Chris Tabor just Chris Tabor said today like what's the key for kicking at Lambo and I think his answer is like just put it through the uprights. I'm like well yeah, but I mean is there anything else to it? So that really is all it comes what it comes down to. So we'll see if and when Eddie Pinheiro gets his opportunity if he can make the most of it. Excellent stuff there, Nick. Let's go ahead and enter the prediction portion of our show, and let's go always like begin with the bold prediction. I'll keep mine very simple. The Bears will win by more than one score. It'd be the first time that we've done it since the Vikings game. So it's been quite some time since the Bears won by at least uh, seven, or sorry, more than seven points. So for me, that's going to be a big one in my book. I think Nick, you're trying to uh, fact check me, are you? No, I was trying to see when was the last time Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six and second career pick six of his career. Okay, so last year, 2018, because my bold prediction involves a pick six and Aaron Rodgers being the recipient of that. And it's going to come from a guy who's been, well, I think I said this in the last like two podcasts, Kyle Fuller is due. He's been so close now to where there's been dropped interceptions. He's, you know, just broke on a route perfectly. But all it takes is just one opportunity where Aaron Rodgers thinks that Devontae Adams is just a nice little, you know, cheap reception. But Kyle Fuller baits quarterbacks in to throw those easy. And I put the air quotes up there, easy throws. But I think Kyle Fuller gets a pick six on Aaron Rodgers. And it looks like the last time he threw one was in 2018. It looks like showing the Bengals there. So maybe it was against the Bengals. I don't know for a fact. But 2018 was the last time he threw one. So we're going to go and say that Kyle Fuller gets that pick six. I like it. I like that one a lot. Uh, MVB prediction, where are you going to go? I think when it comes down to it, Kevin Pierre-Lewis is going to have to have a huge game in this one for the Bears to be successful on the defensive side of the football. Obviously, you have a lot of playmakers, but him being in there, him being tasked to guard uh, Aaron Jones one-on-one, whether he lines up out wide in the slot, is in the backfield, obviously, He's going to have to have a big game, and I, I put up a video on Twitter what his what Kevin Pierre-Lewis can actually do. There was a time where he was on the edge and just showing some nice bend to get to the quarterback on Dak Prescott. So he does a variety of different things, even though he is a backup, but I think if he has a big game, the Bears are going to look at themselves defensively and said, hey, we did a great job against what the Packers like to do, took it away, and that's why they'll be successful on defense. But Kevin Pierre-Lewis will be the MVP of this one. All right, I'm going offense. I'm going to give my MVP prediction over to David Montgomery. I think he'll lead the team and first downs gained. He'll have over 100 yards rushing, and he'll finish the game with two touchdowns. It's, I saw. I was looking at the weather forecast. It's supposed to be snow on Friday, snow on Saturday, and then just cold on Sunday. So I just envision this to be a game that will be won on the ground. And I think the Bears have a pretty good matchup here. So I think if you can lean on David Montgomery here at midway through December, I think we'll be in a really good spot. So hopefully he's our MVB when it's all said and done, which leads us into our game prediction. Nick, who is going to win by and how much? Well, I'm sorry to say this, but the Bears are not going to blow out the Packers like they did the Cowboys. It'll be a close game. 24 to 20 Bears. I think they do just enough offensively. And look, we've seen it all year long. This pack, this Bears defense will give up, you know, points and yards at the end of the game. But I think that's how it's going to really turn out for the majority of this game. The Bears take over early, are able to sustain this lead going to the fourth quarter. The defense, like it has all season, kind of gives up a little here and there at the end of the game. But 24 20, the Bears keep they're in the hunt still and are able to get you know that eighth win of the season. I think someone wants a primetime game next week. I really do. Well, I've never been to Sunday Night Football. That would be awesome to experience with you and Jonathan. I think, you know, just one more week at least. Keep keep those dreams alive because I think that's going to be it's going to be a great time regardless, but Sunday Night Football just has a little bit more more to it. Absolutely. For me, I have a lower scoring game than you. I do have the Bears on top, 17 to 14. I really I mean, you look at the first game only one touchdown that entire game and 
we can admit, I think this Bears team is better than they were then. I think Green Bay has improved as well as most teams do as they roll through the season. But I think it's going to be a gritty game, uh, really slow moving with uh, teams having longer time of possession in terms of having longer sustained drives because I think Aaron Rodgers, he'll, be, he'll find a way to convert on third down against the Bears defense like he does. And the Bears can take care of business against Green Bay's defense that's shown that they can be moved on as well. Really what it comes down to is what the Bears need to do inside of the red zone because that's really where Green Bay's defense uh, tends to show up. So they need to find ways to make sure they can execute once they get down there. But it only takes a couple uh, scoring possessions here in this game for me. So 17-14 Bears. So with all this, Nick, what's your confidence meter and your final thought heading into this Week 15 matchup? I mean, honestly, it's I know it's going to be a tough game, and I want to see the Bears win, and I'm only going to put it maybe at a five and a half, six. It's a tough game, and the Bear, I mean, the Packers are a ten win team. I don't think they're as good as their record shows, but it's a tough environment to play in. The Packers haven't been playing all too well, but this is a Bears team that has put a couple of good games together. Let's see if they can add another one to their list, but I'll give it a five and a half, six. It's going to be close. It could at one one play can really just determine who ends up being the beneficiary of a win in this one, but it's going to be a tough one. I'm going to mark down 5.75. Is that okay? That works, yeah. Cool. I'm at a 6.1, and again, I'm glad that you aren't. either of us are going crazy with this. It's going to be a close game, and by no means is this going to be an easy one. In fact, it's going to be probably the hardest game we've had in quite some time, but like it has been for about a month, every game is a must win. And a win here can keep the Bears, like you said, in a hunt and a loss. It ends the season. There will be nothing worse, at least in my mind, than having the Packers be the team that's able to put that final nail in our coffin to end this season. I think we've explained that despite their record, the Packers are a beatable team. They've allowed teams like Washington to hang around, which makes me pretty certain that the Bears will be in this game. It'll be in Chicago to make sure they are on the right side of the final outcome. Hicks should give that defense some serious energy. The offense should be able to move down the field. And like I said, just need to find a way to succeed in the red zone. And another stat, because I've been full of them today, Matt Nagy is now 4-0 when facing an opponent for the second time as the Chicago Bears head coach. He knows how to do his homework. He knows how to adjust his game plan accordingly. So let's go ahead and make that 5-0 against divisional opponents the second time around in the next last two seasons. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed our game preview. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. And again, I want to congratulate Jonathan for winning the raffle. Nick and I are excited to see you at the game, and we'll be in contact and telling you how we can share the ticket with you. That way uh, we can definitely see you there and get all those odds and end taken care of. Speaking of that game, Nick, our Will Ingles is going to be there. He's like a couple sections away from us as well. So talk about some exciting times to have more of us come together. And speaking of other Will, up next will be his weekly five matchups to watch. Now, the next time you hear from Nick and I will be as soon as the final whistle blows on Sunday afternoon. Hopefully, we're talking about a Bears victory with playoff hopes still very much alive. But until then, let's also go Cowboys, let's go Chargers, and as always, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.